Today's episode is sponsored by the Engendered Podcast, the show that features stories that explore the systems, practices, and policies that enable gender-based violence and oppression and the solutions to end it. You can choose from any of our three formats, interviews with advocates and change agents, survivor stories, which explore abuser tactics, signs of abuse, and upstander tips, and Reflections with co-host Michael, where we curate a series of episodes to help new listeners find their way into our stories. We use gender as a lens to understand power and oppression, teach feminism, and decolonize hearts and minds one story at a time. You can find us at engendered.us, that's E-N-G-E-N-D-E-R-E-D dot U-S, or on your podcast platform of choice. Welcome to the Feminist Coffee Hour podcast. You can find us online at feministcoffeehour.com, on Twitter at femcoffeepod, or you can send us an email to feministcoffeehour at gmail.com. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Karen. And today we have a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me. I'm Yuba Gretchen Shirley. I'm a former congressional candidate. I've spent my career working in women's economic empowerment, and now I actually launched a pack called Vote Mama to help get moms elected up and down the ballot and across the country. This is a really interesting project. I followed your campaign very closely. Um, I originally grew up on Long Island. I had um, canvassed your district before for other candidates trying to unseat Peter King. And I followed the whole story about your unprecedented experience with the SEC. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. We actually just got news that the Louisiana Ethics Board reversed a previous ruling and ruled that a candidate running there could use her campaign funds on child care. We just found that out a few minutes ago. We're, we're celebrating over here, but it's huge. I mean, uh, Louisiana just joined Texas and Alabama and Arkansas and Wisconsin and New York City and the SEC. I'm excited to see that. But I, I put in a request at the, to the Federal Election Commission last May to be able to use some of my campaign funds on child care. There is a very real reason that women don't run until their children are older and grown and that we have so many millionaires in Congress because as a working parent with young children, there are a lot of obstacles that people face and child care, the cost of child care is one of those obstacles. I ran the first six months of my campaign without child care with my mom helping part time. She's a teacher who would come home at 3.30 every day and watch my children then. But six months into the campaign, we realized that we were going to need help during the day. And campaigning is a full-time job that you do not take a salary for. And I wasn't able to also cover the cost of child care. The first time that a, that a woman had put this request in, there was a unanimous bipartisan decision, and it changed the way that, that people will run for office. We actually saw nine federal candidates take advantage of the ruling this last cycle alone, and now we've seen moms in eight different states put in similar requests, and today Louisiana was the last state to allow the campaign funds to be used for child care. That's amazing. Were you the first person to ask for this to be done, or had previous people asked and been denied? In the past, two men had actually requested to be able to use their campaign funds on child care. One was already a sitting uh, representative, and one was a man who was running. And it was approved both times, but it was for a one-time particular instance, and there wasn't a quorum, so it didn't count as an official ruling. And this was back in the 90s and the early 2000s, and my request, it was the first woman to put the request in, and it was the first time that it was an official ruling. So this affects candidates moving forward now. Can you talk about the ways in which it affects candidates? moving forward? 
It is a major obstacle running for office with young children. It's more expensive to send your infant to daycare than it is to send your teenager to a four-year public college. And most people aren't able to pay their school loans and their mortgage and their taxes and also pick up the cost of child care while campaigning. If you're running for Congress, especially, it's a year and a half. In some cases, people run even longer than that, and it's 24-7 without a salary. If you're not independently wealthy, most people don't even consider running. And that's why we don't have a government that's actually reflective of our society. We need more working parents. We need more working people in office who understand what other working families are going through. This allows people to use campaign funds for child care. It it's, breaks down one major obstacle and allows people who are not already wealthy to run. And what is Vote Mama? <laughs> Vote Mama is the first pack in the country to focus on getting moms elected. It came to me when I was running for office. Before I even announced my candidacy, when I was thinking about running, my children were one and three. I was nursing and I had no one to reach out to who had run before. And I wanted to be able to ask the questions, the basic logistical, how did you do this with small children? And if you don't already know somebody who's run for Congress with kids, it's really difficult to get those meetings and those conversations. And yet those are the conversations that are so necessary. So we have put together this amazing advisor committee. We've got representatives Grace Meng, Katie Porter, Kim Schreier, Terry Sewell, Gwen Moore, Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, we've got state reps, we've got people, women who have run and won and run and lost up and down the ballot and across the country. And they're going to serve as mentors to the candidates that we endorse. We launched Vote Mama a month ago. We have already received applications from more than 60 moms running in 25 different states. We had our first happy hour about a week or so ago with a few of the candidates who are here locally on Long Island who are running. We invited them to a happy hour with Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul and a few other moms who actually were very active on my campaign and allowed them to have that kind of behind the scenes, real conversation on what it's like. If you don't have those friendships, if you don't have that network of people to reach out to, you feel very alone when you're running. I remember on one of the hardest days of my campaign, My son had broken his leg. We were at the doctor all day, and Elizabeth Warren happened to call me for the first time during that evening. And I ended up having this really great political discussion with her, and then the conversation quickly shifted to motherhood and politics and what it's like juggling being a mom of young children and, and running for office. And that conversation was necessary. And we want to be able to provide that support to our candidates. We're going to put out our first group of endorsed candidates in April. When you were running and you were looking for someone to reach out to, what kinds of questions did you have that you wanted to ask other women politicians that had small children? What are the logistics? How do you manage child care? How do you manage your day-to-day schedule? How do you manage, you know, going back and forth between D.C. and your district and actually seeing your children? Before you run for office, I think very few people realize how all-consuming it is. You give up almost every aspect of your life to run. It's 24-7. You are constantly moving. And to figure out how to juggle that and be a good parent at the same time is difficult. So to be able to have that conversation, you know, just to talk to people, whether or not they take one day off a week, whether or not they don't take any days off, Mm. how they manage the schedule of going back and forth to the district, you need to be able to, to figure that out, to talk to other people who've done it. People who've given birth in office, how do you manage nursing and voting? Did you take family leave? Did you take time away from your district where you were, you know, in D.C. so you could vote and be with your baby? Or did you go back to the district 
and make sure that you were there for your constituents, but then you were missing votes because you can't travel back and forth with the baby. Those are questions that you need to be able to ask, and you usually don't get that opportunity unless you already know someone who's done it. Actually, there, there are a few candidates that we've been talking to who have their screenings with the local Democratic Party, and one of the questions that they were asked was, you know, what are you going to do with your children while you're campaigning? Men never get asked that question. That is a question mm. that only women will get. So it seems like you're, you're helping candidates by, you know, providing them that kind of mentorship. Are you going to be doing trainings and other information to, to help candidates figure this stuff out? We are going to be providing funds, mentorship, networking, and then we've actually put together a volunteer bank of women who want to help the mothers that we are supporting. So we've got a few lawyers who have uh, volunteered their work pro bono to help candidates when they're getting their campaign started. We've had photographers who have volunteered their time to take headshots for new candidates. We have people who've volunteered to help write policy platforms and to help with media and communications and press. So we'll be providing those resources. We've actually already taken the time to talk to a few candidates that we, you know, we've just started to talk to about how to set up your fundraising, how to do call time, how to hire some staff. So we're not going to be doing formal trainings, but we will be doing you know, one-on-one conversations and help with the candidates that we endorse. When you're first starting out and you have young children, donors also don't think you're a great investment because they don't think that you have the time to dedicate to fundraising. And the way that our government is set up right now, fundraising is critical for anyone running at any level of government. So we want to be able to provide the early funds to candidates because your first filing is such a huge part of your campaign and whether or not people will take you seriously. I wish our listeners could see Elizabeth's face as you were saying that. (laughs) The disappointment. I was just thinking about, you know, just my own experience as a campaign volunteer on the doors and on the phones, just... A lot of my experience, not all, but a lot of my experience campaigning for women has been campaigning for very young women. And a lot of times they're like, she's too young, you know, and I'm sure older women get, well, she's too old. Well, and then in the middle, you have kids. So it's like, well, when is the right time to run for office? I mean, our position on this podcast is right now. Everyone should run for office right now. Yes. (laughs) So if anybody is, is listening and is thinking about running for office, what advice would you have for them? But especially women with young kids. If you're passionate about it and it's something that you need to do because you want to make a change, you should do it. You should do it, but you need to go into it realizing what it takes and figuring out how you have your support system. You can't do it without a support system. I would never have been able to run without my mom and my husband and my campaign staff. I have to tell you, they were absolutely incredible and they helped with the children so much. My kids all love my campaign staff, but my mom was integral. My mom lives with us. I couldn't have done it without her. And my husband, you know, he works long hours and he commutes to the city, but he was, he had the kids a lot on the weekends and there were a lot of times where the kids were with me at campaign events. You get hit on using your kids as political props if you bring them with you. If you're a man and you have your children in photos or if you bring them with you to events, you're automatically considered more responsible and you're a person who understands what working families are going through. But if you're a mom and you bring your children with you, people usually are concerned whether or not you can handle both. And so you need to be prepared for that and you need to ignore it and know that you can handle both and you can do it and you're out there running to make to make changes for your children and for other children. You know, my kids were my biggest hesitation. And in the end, they were the reason I decided to run. How were your children the reason you decided to run? 
Because I didn't want them to grow up in a country where, you know, one, a third of American children live in poverty, where 28 million Americans don't, don't have access to health care, where the sea levels are rising and we have a president who wants to declare a national emergency over a border wall. You know, we're 27th in education. We're the only country other than Papua New Guinea without paid family leave. We're separating breastfeeding infants from their mothers at the border. These are things that are deeply concerning to me. We're giving major tax cuts to corporations while people can't afford to make ends meet and they're working three jobs just to put food on the table. And inequality is at an all-time high. And these are all things that concern me for my children. We have a student loan crisis in this country. And we need people in government who actually understand these issues because they live them every day. That's, in the end, the reason I decided to run. I have a representative who's been in office since I was 12. He has never held a town hall, but he's had the time to write three spy novels. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say that you were talking about how if, if uh, women bring their children to a campaign event, people question their capacity to be, to be a legislator. I'm curious, when you didn't bring your kids to an event, did people ask you where they were and who was looking after them? Of course. Absolutely. That's why I'm I'm really glad that you're that you're doing this. It's really important work. Thank you. I brought my daughter with me once to an event and I was attacked on social media for using her as a political prop. And the reality is I didn't have a babysitter at that moment. I didn't have a choice. She had to come with me. You know, you, you get the same questions over and over. What are you going to do with your children? Who's watching them? How? So Morgan LaMondre, the woman who's running in Louisiana who just got the campaign funds for child care approved this morning, <laughs> During her first hearing, Louisiana denied the request, even though they had approved it for four men in the past, and they told her that she had misplaced priorities and that her primary responsibility is to her children. That's what women will be told, that her primary responsibility was to take care of her children. I'm so glad that she challenged the, the ruling. I'm so glad that she got it approved. But that's what women are facing. And in Louisiana, you know, women make up more than 51% of the population, but less than 15% of their state legislature. And the reality is if we want to support women running for office, we need to look at the realities of our lives. By age 44, 86% of women are mothers. So if we're not supporting mothers, we're not supporting the vast majority of women. Kind of to tack on to that, are there women who are being supported by Vote Mama that you want to give a shout out to right now? We haven't had our first group of endorsed candidates. We're actually going through the interview process now and through March. And then in early April, we're going to put out our first group of endorsed candidates. You can also add for women who are considering running, they can go on our website, votemama.org, and mama is M-A-M-A, and you can apply for support. We're going to be reaching out to people and scheduling interviews throughout the month of March. That was actually my next question was how people could get involved. And you, you said the website. What are you, you looking for? Obviously, you know, donations and, and spreading the word. But are there any kinds of uh, volunteer skills that you're especially in need of? We are looking for, for lawyers. We're looking for people who've worked on campaigns in the past, who have handled fundraising and finance, people who can handle press, people who can handle communications, who can help candidates put their policy platforms together. Honestly, we're looking for people who just want to get involved and want to help. We'll eventually be able to, if people want to volunteer in different states for some of the state candidates that we will be supporting, we can put you directly in touch with the candidates that we're supporting. You can go on out and knock on doors for some of those candidates. We need help with fundraising. You can go online to votemama.org and make a donation. We want to be able to, to financially support the candidates that we are endorsing, and we uh, are looking for more candidates, of course. So if you are a mom and you're running, please go to our 
website and fill out our application. Right now, is it only in New York or other parts of the country also? No, we'll be supporting women running up and down the ballot and across the country. This year, there are state races in Louisiana, in Wisconsin, in Virginia, and there are a lot of local uh, county ledge races and town council races that uh, we've received applications from New York, but we've received applications from women running in 25 different states. So in uh, 2019, we're looking to support 80 candidates running at the state and local level across the country, and then we'll be supporting federal candidates as well in 2020. That's great news. And uh, if somebody wanted to be a candidate who was looking for an endorsement from Vote Mama, what qualities do you look for? So they need to be Democratic women who have children who are 18 or younger. And they need to be pro-choice, support universal pre-K and paid family leave. Those are our main criteria. We want moms who are going to go out and talk about the issues that are facing working families. We want people who are going to talk about education and healthcare and climate change. And we want people who are just going to really fight for working people in this country. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're working to get representation for people who seem underrepresented in legislature. So that's very exciting. Absolutely. More than half of our congressional representatives are millionaires. Even with the historic 116th Congress, there are only 25 moms who have children who are 18 or younger in Congress right now. There are more than 100 dads. When you have moms in office who rely on the Children's Health Insurance Program for their children's health care, you wouldn't have representatives that let the funding for CHIP lapse. You know, we have the worst maternal mortality rate in the developed world, and yet our representatives, including Peter King, who I ran against last cycle, voted to take maternity coverage away from 13 million American women. Women are dying in childbirth. Black women die at four times the rate as white women. And these are things that we're not discussing enough. We need to elect people who are going to talk about these issues. I agree with you. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. That's absolutely amazing that you're, you're working to make sure that that becomes a reality. So if somebody wanted to volunteer, they could go to the website, yeah? Yep, you can go online, you can sign up to volunteer to make a donation, and you can, you can join our mailing list. Well, thank you so much, and, uh, and good luck. We'll be following your organization, and we'll be rooting for you. And where can people find updates about uh, what's going on with Vote Mama, either on social media or the internet? Yep, we're Vote Mama on, on Facebook, and then Vote Mama US on Twitter, and they can follow along and get all of our updates. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. It was great talking. You've been listening to the Feminist Coffee Hour podcast, tackling political rumors from the feminist outer boroughs of New York City. If you like our podcast, please support us at our Patreon, which you can find at www.patreon.com slash feminist coffee hour, or, you know, do a Google for Patreon and feminist coffee hour. Our patrons get early releases of episodes, plus other cool perks at higher levels. If you can't support us financially, you can always give us a five-star rating on iTunes and write us a review as it helps the algorithm know we're there and that people like us, like you. Our intro and outro music is Making It Hard by Bridget Ellsworth, and you can find her music on SoundCloud.